Welcome to Divine Throughline. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really means to live a life divine. Thanks so much for joining me. This week, I'm so honored and blessed to welcome my music teacher and dear friend, Shuman Laha. Shuman Laha is a world-renowned Indian classical musician who specializes in the veena. This morning, he shared with us an afternoon raga called Sud Sarang. I hope you enjoy the episode. So let's just take a moment and uh, set the space and connect with each other. So if you can take a deep breath in with me and exhale. I'm just going to open the field this morning in sacred service to the law of one. North, south, east, west, earth, sky, heart, and space. I ask, command, and intend for the highest exchange according to the will of God. Beloved creation, please anchor this space as sacred in the living, organic light code. We are God, we are sovereign, and we are free beings. And so it is. We're rolling. That little space bar, and, it, and we're rolling. That's the sound of rolling. That's it. All right. So it's, it's a Sunday morning at Jai House. It's very, very early. So you're going to hear the morning uh, tones from Brad and my voice, especially Brad, because he was out gigging late last night. <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. Say hi. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Where did you play? What did you play? Did you play your own stuff? No, you no, were drumming. I was drumming with Matt. Well, you are a drummer. You yes. actually are a drummer. So. Actually, I am. That's amazing. Yeah. Good. How was it? It was really good. It's good. got a kind of groovy place on Santa Monica in Hollywood, Santa yeah. Monica Boulevard, called Bar Lubitsch. Lubitsch? Yeah, Lubitsch. Is there... It's in the Russian district of Hollywood. <laughs> I have not been there. It literally is a little, really? little area, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. So, you guys played a set? Play a set. Were there drugs and alcohol involved? I had a little bit of... IPA beer, and that's it. You did? Yeah. What does IPA mean? Uh, Indian Pale Ale. Really? Very bitter, strong. It is? I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's that's great. good. Awesome. It's been so long since I drank anything. Good. Obviously, I don't know what IPA is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, um, I'm glad we could meet up today. It's actually the Super Bowl, I hear. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Which has absolutely zero meaning to me. It has no no presence in my life whatsoever, but the rest of the world is very excited today, right? They're very excited. Bar- barbecues and... Uh, there will be lots of IPA today. Lots of IPA today. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Is that an American beer, though? Well, there's a lot of American companies that make it. It's oh, like okay. kind of all the rage. Oh, you know a lot about that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a big beer drinker at You're all, not. because... Just because. Just because. Just because. You like to watch your gut. I like to watch my gut, yeah, and there's true. lots of hops. And... <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so I don't really know what we're talking about today yet, so we're just going to let it unfold. We um, we have an amazing uh, musical performance this week by my music teacher, Mr. Shuman Laha, who actually came uh, here a couple days ago, and he performed an eight-minute uh, raga. It's an afternoon raga, and he plays a veena. So his um, his uh, primary instrument is veena, and he actually designed a travel veena. It's a it's an adaptation of the original veena. The veena is a very very large 
massively large uh, stringed instrument. Um, and uh, as a response to him touring, he designed sort of a combination between a vena and a lap pedal. Mm. Um, and so it's played on his lap with a slide, um, but it's quite extraordinary. So that is the music that we will be blessed with this this episode. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And there's so many things that I want to talk about. Um, there's a, a few different subjects. Uh, one that's been, oh man, um, I want to dive into all of them and, and each one of them could take, you know, three episodes each. So um, I guess I'm going to, uh, let's see, what should I start with? Um, some, some basic things. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this idea of, of integration, of understanding that we all come from a past history, you know, of this lifetime that we've, that we've led and, and all of our experiences, and then also all of our lifetimes. And uh, the idea that, you know, as we evolve and change, um, uh, I believe there's a way to uh, evolve and change that integrates everything that you have. And so you're not cutting off some aspect of your past and denying it, you're in fact encompassing it and embracing it and integrating it into a higher expression. And so this leads me personally to the subject of the guru lineage and, you know, what is a guru? And, uh, you know, at this point in, in my work and, and really for many, 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 many years, um, I have this, this reality in that I love this lineage and I love these beings, and I feel very, very resonant with these beings. And yet I never, after a certain level in my evolution, I was not their devotee. I'd never put them in front of me and God. So I think it's very important that we understand that now on the planet at this moment in history, it's about your direct connection, your direct connection to source, to God, to the cosmos, to your higher self, to whatever you want to call it. Any intermediary is not it. You're missing if you're doing that. That being said, I'm sitting here in the midst of this guru lineage, and I'm looking at a, at a picture of Yogananda that is always in my meditation room. And I studied with uh, you know many, many, many different masters. And the level of extraordinary um, adept mastery at... Uh, uh, transcending the body and breathing techniques and pranayama and the role that yoga has played in my life. I mean, just yoga, just the physical practice of yoga and how it has completely transformed my life. Um, these, it's almost like I want to scoop them all up in my arms and still fly to the next evolution. <laughs> so it gets a little bit confusing and I, you know, this is, and it's confusing for other people. And I wanted to be very sort of direct about this because I certainly don't want someone to look at me and my resonance and then think that they need to go find a guru in order to connect to consciousness or God, because that is not true. It's very, very specific with me and my resonance and my, you know, my life paths and, and the work that I've been doing. So um, I feel like right now on the planet, there is an amazing opportunity. There's incredible energy that's here to support us by 
uh, taking the responsibility by learning how to uh, build your light body, how to acknowledge your light body, how to keep your light body, you know, well and whole and functioning, and also about setting this intention and this desire to connect with something greater, to connect with your highest expression, your highest divine blueprint. Um, there is amazing, amazing energy to support us in that. And you can learn a lot from different teachers and different people along the way. And what I've done and what I would, uh, what I would offer is you take what serves you and you leave the rest. You don't have to get into a discourse about making somebody wrong and you right, or saying, you know, I, I, I resonate with, you know, Srimati when she says, you know, trees and grass, but when she's talking about the sun, it doesn't resonate with me. That's fine. Like you, you can, you can get along with people that you disagree with. You can still learn from everyone. Um, but it, what it's, what it's about right now is really self-responsibility and understanding that you are a divine organism. Like you are, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And what I'm trying to share in this medium of the, these precious moments that we're sharing on this podcast, everything that I share with you guys is to empower you to find yourself, to find your own way. I am not tying you to me. I am not building a container and saying, you know, I want you to keep coming back here. You know, I am offering from my experience and complete neutrality with complete freedom. And there is no binding. There is no, there's no, uh, there's no rule book or no, um, you know, preset dogma or anything. Um, we are all individual beings. Our lives will all look completely different my enlightenment or evolution journey or expansion journey will look completely different than yours, than anybody's. And the real key, I think, in taking spiritual responsibility is finding yourself, really, really taking the time to connect in with yourself and then honoring yourself as a divine being. You matter. You really, really, really do matter. And if you were created a certain way, and you have an affinity for a certain set of, you know, elements in a life that should be honored. You, you shouldn't look at those elements and say, well, why, why am I not more like him? Or why do I not see things the way she sees things? You need to identify what is, what is your thing? Like, what is your thing? Who, who are you? And then be that, be that fully and freely and completely and totally and divinely and first honor yourself as a divine emanation of consciousness because every everybody has that potential now we can choose to engage in dark activities you know we can make make decisions that are of that flavor uh, so it's not that everybody's just divine no matter what they're doing that's that's not true but we all have the potential to expand that and express that and so you know, in my life, it's kind, it's a little bit confusing for me. I go through, it's, it's an energetic thing. You know, I feel like there was a time, you know, my, this, this meditation room that we're in, it was, it had red walls and it had pictures of gurus all over the place. And then I think about, um, maybe like two years ago, I just, there's like a gorgeous hawk just flew right over our head. Nice. Beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, sorry, there were, uh, there were, um, 
you know, images of all these beloved Indian saints that I feel deeply connected to. And, and I just had this one moment where I woke up and I just, you know, I had it painted white. I took them all down. I wrapped them up in sacred cloth and I just put them away. It was like, I can no longer have anything between me and my own, my own chord, my own harmony, my own frequency. And then, you know, after another two years and, you know, some of them found their way back <laughs> out of the closet <laughs> because uh, there's just so many, um, so many practices that are completely life transforming from this lineage. And we really are all Sanskrit. It's the oldest language, the oldest tradition on the planet. So we all came from that. Every, everybody, everyone that's here. So, um, the other thing that I wanted to share, actually, that's it's it's uh, de dealing with a, a practice that was very transformational for me, and this is dealing with uh, with hormones and and hormone shifting, uh, primarily, uh, well, in men and women, actually. Uh, but when I started to go through a shift of life and go into what is called menopause. Um, it was actually very, very sudden for me. I was, you know, uh, I actually gave birth to my um, my youngest child when I was forty five years old, and um, and then you know I never really I don't really attach to these um, different um, what I want to say like um, belief systems or or um, uh, you know groups of thought forms around certain stages of life you know because I'm I'm sort of making my own way so immediately when I started to feel some heat fluctuations in my body I wasn't I wouldn't I wasn't sweating or anything like that I could just I could feel the heat change so I thought oh well you know maybe I better go check into this because I, I never had so I got the name of uh, of some hormone specialist and like went to speak to her and you know the intake was really sort of inconsequential because I really didn't have anything for her to intake you know it was <laughs> basically I almost never go to the doctor and I really didn't have any any symptoms other than than my cycle had changed and then uh, I was referred to another doctor and it was like these kind of groups um, where you pay they they ask women to pay like nine hundred dollars to be part of a group. And then they tell you that anytime you're feeling insane, you can call there for support. <laughs> it's, re re it's really quite something. And I'm not, I know there are a lot of women that have issues with hormones, you know, but if you look at what a hormonal um, health is, looking at it at, like on a spiritual level, the way that you communicate with the other realms is hormonal. So, and as far as I, as far as I've been alive, I've been dealing with hormones. I mean, I think as beings, we're dealing with hormones and there's less conversation around men, but also men as well. But, you know, when you go into, you know, your teen years, you're dealing with hormones. Then when you start having babies, you're, or you, then you have acne and all that kind of stuff. And then you have all, you know, sexuality and then you start having babies. And all I was doing was dealing with hormones, you know, having four kids over that many years, you know, it's a lot of time of being pregnant and adjusting and postpartum and all those kind of things. So anyway, so here, here it was again, it was like, really like again, hormones. So, um, I just... I, t I saw a couple doctors and they were like, okay, well, you could go on synthetic. You know, we prescribe that you go on synthetic hormones. And I, and I said, well, what do people do before there was this medicine? You know, there, there has to be a natural answer to this condition. This is a human condition. And also one of the beautiful things is um, what I learned from uh, Swami Vidyadishananda from, you know, the Vedic lineage is that, you know, it's believed when a woman goes into this part of her life, it's the most creative of her life. So 
in Western society, we're like, oh, she's all washed up. You know, she's in menopause. She's insane and no longer attractive, <laughs> you know? And yet in, the, in this lineage, it's like you're going into, or at least this yogi spiritual little, you know, little box, um, you're going into your most creative time, literally the time when you are merged with Divine Mother and you can just do, you know, many, many, many things. So... I thought, wow, uh, I don't think I'm going to take any of those hormones. And uh, so what I did is uh, I started to do pranayama spinal breathing. And pranayama spinal, spinal breathing is simply sitting in meditation and breathing long, deep inhales for 22 breaths, like 22 counts. Try to do it as slow as you can. And then loop it around at the top of your spine and exhale 22 out. And just do that. I did it for 10 minutes every night for like a week. And every single one of my symptoms disappeared. And I, and I don't even deal with it at all. So I was like, wow, <laughs> that's, that's so simple. Like how simple that is. So I would, I would recommend anybody dealing with hormone. And, you know, trust me, my symptoms were not, uh, they were not severe. But, you know, I had a couple nights of discomfort or, you know, not feeling balanced and feeling kind of, you know, out on the ledge. Uh, but if you are having hormonal um, issues due to that transition into your most creative time of your life, the time of your life where people might find you a little overly creative, um, I suggest really looking into pranayama and really, um, you know, finding techniques. The Bihar School of Yoga has an amazing um, grouping of books. It's the Saraswati lineage. It's um, out of India. Go online, Google it. Bihar, B H, and sorry, B I H A R. Bihar School of Yoga. Every single text they have, very pure, very beautiful tradition, and you can learn so much from these books. So find one on pranayama um, and uh, and check it out. And if you want a very layperson's guide to yoga, my dear friend Deborah Garland wrote a book called Supreme Breath. It's on Amazon. Um, and she's broken down these techniques into very, very simple uh, practices that you can learn. And, you know, I'll continue to be offering those on the show as well. But um, anyway, I wanted to share that. So, um, so how are you, Brad? I'm well. I think that's just <laughs> such an important share. And yeah. Just that the whole conscious, the whole consciousness around that, has such a judgmental, strange. Yeah. It just isn't. It isn't true. No. You know, it's just not true. Well, and, and you, you are the example of that. Well, thank you, sweetie. I just uh, again, it's like like these these um these isms and these ideas, like mm. you know, like who has to. The first one is, or one, you know, one of the one of the ones that I really didn't buy into was that when your kids become teenagers, you're going to hate each other. Right. You know that that one mistruth, and you know, again, it's like we're creating our own lives. So you set intentions and you you work, you know, to have consciousness in your efforts. Not to say you won't have bumps, or not mm -hmm. to say that it won't be, you know, some you know require some effort, you know, but. Uh, I do not have that experience. You know, I play right. in a band with my boys and extremely, extremely close and actually gave birth to my girls. They were born adolescent. So I've told them all that we're not even going through that. And it was <laughs> funny because Math is actually at age 11. She started to build a, um, a tree house as part of her homeschool. 
And uh, so I, and she was, you know, she's always been just like five people in one body, like very, very vocal and very intense and, you know, really, really walks to the beat of her own drum. So I said to Mathis, I said, hey, I said, you know, I really, I have this, this feeling that as parents, we keep our children in the house too long. In spiritual traditions, you be, you become initiated into your adult life at age 12. Mm-hmm. And so here we are hanging on to them, trying to conform them, trying to control them, trying to keep them in a box, you know. And what's the usual experience is a lot of fighting and a lot of really nastiness, really, mm-hmm. that's going on. So, and Mathis knows that I have this sort of awareness. So I said to her, I said, why don't you go ahead and move out? Because she said, oh, I want to put some of my furniture in the treehouse. So I said, why don't you go ahead and move out? I go, be awesome. I'll give you a budget. And I said, we can make a documentary out of it, but I think you should move out on your own. And like, and she's, she was like, no, mom, I don't want to leave yet. I don't want to leave yet. So anyway, we have this deal. I've already told her I'm not going through adolescence. I've already put in my time on that since she was born that way. And, um, you know, I, I really don't think we're going to have that uh, because we've sort of duked it out already on <laughs> many different, <laughs> very, many, very many levels. But yeah, so that's one of those belief things that, yeah. that who said, right. you know, who said what, that? Right. And, and why is it? And what can we do? And how can we shift in our thinking yes. so that we don't keep recreating that situation? Exactly. Right? Right. I mean, when I was that age, I just wanted to get away from my parents. So can't we figure out some kind of respect, some kind of... And then the second, it was so funny because I remember I was staying out all night and, you know, was I was not being nice to my parents, basically. Mm-hmm. I was just staying out doing... I was being nice to them. I was just doing what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, I remember after I got to college, I never stayed out past 11. Like it was, cle- it was a, just a complete response to the boundary that was inappropriate to my level of growth, I guess, right? right? So what would happen if we gave our adolescents a little bit more responsibility and just self-respect? You know, I wonder. That's a great question. (laughs) So anyway. Well, I know with my, with my stepdaughter, the minute that I stopped trying to uh, control everything, just the, the battle just kind of, it was gone. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, right? Yeah. Like we, like who decided, like, how did we come up with this framework? And then everybody goes, well, you know how it is, you know, they're just going to hate you till they're 23. <laughs> I'm thinking like, so you might as well win. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's interesting, right? It's really, it's, yeah. and again, it's, I've, I've had this experience with my kids and uh, I think my secret, you know, people ask me, well, what is your secret? Like, how is it that you play in a band with your sons? I mean, that's another belief system that mm-hmm. when sons become 10 years old, they separate from their mothers. Like somebody said that some, somebody, somebody documented that and made that truth in the mainstream. And uh, that's not been my experience, right. you know, at all. And what is my key? My key is, is that I have given my children complete respect as their own individual entities. And I have not made them think or made them feel that I was better or greater than them because I happened to be their mother. You know, I may have to keep, you know, like I told Mathis when she was a little girl, you know, I, I respect you and I know who you are. And you can't play with knives or drive the car or light fire. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know. Right, some basic safety. Some basic boundaries. safety, but yeah. other than that, you know, I I give them a lot of rain, which is why I'm such a good unschooling mother. <laughs> unschooling is a movement. If anybody doesn't know, it's a, it's kind of a new movement that's gaining traction, and it's it's sort of homeschool 
you know, mm-hmm. to the exponential. Right. So you go another sort of another level and just sort of leave the kids alone. And, and that's been my philosophy is that people come in with enough energy to sustain themselves and they need more space to find themselves, to feel worthy, to be able to contribute. And of course, everybody's different. Every situation is unique. So, you know, you can't make big blanket statements, but I think everyone wants to be respected for who they are. Just basic self-respect, that's all, you know? So, um, Have, Have you found that giving your children that space in that process that they were all drawn to learning very much the, the, you know learning to read learning to, to write learning to express themselves very much and again not on my not on my clock right. you know so saying, right. for instance like with mathis um well first of all i mean i try it's not that i didn't try the basic things first or the the, the normal things mm-hmm. uh but i tried to i tried teaching her reading i tried to get her you know to recognize words by you know using flashcards or you know, I'm not a phonetic reader. I, I learned symbols. That's how I learned how to read. And mm. phonetics in English makes no sense because you're telling them that it's, it, it's an exception. Every other word is an exception. So it's not really phonetic. Mm. So Mathis, when I showed her the, the flashcards or whatever, she would just completely freak out, like have a complete inner volcanic explosion. <laughs> and after trying this a few times, I was just like, that's not her thing. So I decided to do the extreme and just leave her alone and not teach her to read. And everyone was freaking out. Like I was getting articles from my mom and, you know, and people tell, you know, telling me, well, this, this little kid is reading this many books and, you know, like comparing. And I know her, you know, I know Mathis, she's strong. She's strong and she's self-directed and, um, and she's chaotic and she's pure and messy and wild and, and she also loves business and she loves making money. And I knew when she, when she wanted to, she would teach herself how to read. Right. And so I didn't do anything and she taught herself how to read. Yeah. And also, the, and the thing is interesting because they've recently started a school. And you know, the kids aren't really, you know, we don't write very much in our society, right? Because we're on computers or we're on a mobile device or, you know, we can talk to Siri and Siri can do whatever. So... Um, I wasn't doing handwriting with the girls, but they've done a lot of artwork and Mathis was even selling her artwork at a very young age. And, um, so she's done, you know, she's expressed herself in many, many ways. Sorry. But, um, what was fascinating to me was they just started school at Muse this year. So they're in this environmental school and we're giving it a shot and they're doing really well and enjoying it. Um, and in the beginning, Mathis could hardly write anything and after just you know one semester at school, her handwriting is gorgeous. It's way better than mine ever was at that age. And same thing with Jaya. Jaya has a very distinct sort of symbolic kind of writing, but we didn't do any of that tracing. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't do any of those basic skills. And you know, it's you know it could be very scary to some parents. You know, like oh no, they might not ever write, or but they they did fine. They put it together. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think giving somebody that space makes them develop their own tools to solve problems. You know, I think that when we're over scheduling our kids, we have them in 80 million, you know, after school activities, and we're driving them here and there. And first of all, it's ba- it creates an imbalance in the family, because there's all this driving, driving, driving. And, you know, if you can create a space in your own home, where there are 
creative outlets and places and music and art and cooking and singing and stuff like that and, and physical activity. Um, I think, in my opinion, that in nature, those are the most important things in the young years. So in my opinion, in my humble opinion, what I have found is that leaving somebody really alone for the first eight years is quite beneficial. <laughs> yeah. So that's my Shower experience. them with, with love. Yeah, and just love and love and respect. Yeah, and just I mean, who who said someone has to you know has to learn anything by a certain age? I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I think it's preserving the self esteem and the and cultivating the innate um, desire to learn. Yeah. Now that I don't mean you know just letting somebody sit in a room and wa- and look at a computer for I'm not that's not what I said. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm saying getting out and exploring, be exposed to a lot of different people. Traveling is fantastic. You know, going to museums, going to the beach, you know, all of these things. Children need to play. You know, we need to play to find our voice and to have that self-esteem. And then, you know, if I spend money, I spent them on good quality art supplies, you know, and big, big canvases, like something that's beyond... You know, don't keep them small on a little piece of paper, even if they're three. You know, I always got them big canvases and was like, go for it. Like they'd be painting in their underwear, you know. So, you know, that's that's been our it's been our flow. And I, really exciting actually. We had uh the Wall Street Journal was here on Saturday. Um, they interviewed me for a homeschooling article. So it's gonna be we'll see, you know, I'll see. It's, a, it's part of a bit bigger piece. It's not just on me. But it was interesting because I finally stopped homeschooling after all these years. And I had made, it's been a dream of mine to create this community around educating our children. I even wrote a model, like developed a model about it. And um, uh, I finally, I made a plea two times and failed miserably two times. Actually, the second time was less of a fail than the first time. But I finally just let it go. And, you know, Muse was there and they were inviting us to come over there. Rich has been speaking there and they're a fully plant-based school. So that was a big, you know, aspect. And we're very close. It's literally like a three-minute drive and a beautiful mountain campus. And they educate very, very freely. You know, each child is individual and they have a lot of freedom. And so it's a really good fit, pretty good fit um, for us. But um, then I got called by the Wall Street Journal and this writer, she kept saying like, I wish you were still homeschooling. And I said, well, I kind of am. I mean, my, my boys are not moving out. They're moving in. They're raising a teepee. They're moving into a container. They have their girlfriends here. You know, they're recording an album here now. We all cook together. So kind of homeschooling has turned into an extension of this community. And we have our friend Andrew who lives on the property um, in an Airstream. And he has a four-year-old daughter who also goes to the same school that the girls go to. Um, But it was kind of funny because um, the community, the kids, just created this garden. They built it and stained it and put it all together, and it's gorgeous. And so we actually planted yesterday. So the journal was here taking pictures of us planting as a family, eating as a family, and playing music, me singing with the boys. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they they include. But, um, you know, who, who knew? Whoever thought the Wall Street Journal would be you know, wanting to come here and that would not have been my, my first 
<laughs> I know. Thought I was like, what? He's going to come in. I know. It was funny. So <laughs> anyway, so we'll see. Though. But it's really cool. So it was kind of like a little blessing for the community. And of course, all the kids and everybody here knows how many years I've held this dream. And my my friend Tammy, dear, dear old friend Tammy, um, she said to me, she goes, you know, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of envious. You know, how did you do that? Tell me how you did that. And I said, well... I said, I started talking about it 10 years ago, and then I meditated every single day, and then I talked about it till people thought I was the crazy person in the back of the room, and then I unschooled my kids, homeschooled my kids, um, I made a plea for community um, during a four-year period twice, basically, you know, put my heart out on the table, cried, bled, pleaded. I wrote a book for a year and a half on the subject, um, and then at the end, I let it all go. And 10 years later, God is giving it to me. <laughs> so I was like, if you have 10 years and that much commitment, you know, it might just happen. So it's it's really, really beautiful. It's really, really, uh, really exciting. And I also, um, I have this I had this other vision for the house that has been just in my awareness and my meditation for many, many years. And I wanted to use um, Jai House as a, as an art a gallery, but I wanted to use the exterior, like have an exterior art show and actually hang large pieces of art all over the outside. So I wanted to put in, you know, like a meditation walk that there, there would be, you know, music, and then you come in and you take the whole walk and you go through the whole journey. And of course, now I'll have our plant power way plant based foods, and we'll shuttle people in, it will be over a weekend. So I made this plea to a gallery, I did a gallery show with these tree images that I that I did um, at one time, and they're in actually our first cookbook, Jai Seed, which is on uh, Rich's site. But um, uh, um, what was I saying? Oh, I, so I called the the gallery in, and I made this pitch to them, and they were like, "Okay, no, we we like the idea, but we're you know we we're not going to partner with you right now." So it went away, and now Andrew is. Uh, living on the property, and he does some very modern art that's really sort of a statement on the food supply. So it's a lot of uh, resin and beautiful bright colors, and it goes really well with my tree images. So I said to Andrew, I said, hey, you know, do you want to do this art show with me? And um, he said, yeah, absolutely, I want to do it. So I said, I want to meet with Lorcan O'Herlihy, who is the architect of this home and a dear, dear friend of mine. And Lorcan is also a fine artist. So we had a meeting with Lorcan last month, and the three of us are doing this art show on the 24th of September this year. So it's super exciting because we really are bringing this creativity into the space and into the community. And beautifully the things that the three of us are working on completely fit together like gorgeously so that's going to be a really cool endeavor i, I got to get working on that stuff actually <laughs> so that this is the first time that i've heard of that that sounds amazing it'd be cool it really right sounds amazing it's yeah. going to be great yeah, yeah well it's on the outside well and it also you know lorkin is uh, first of all, I was really, really lucky to get him to design this house yeah. um, because he doesn't do private homes anymore. He does huge public spaces, and he's doing things all over the world. He's really, really going to be one of the celebrated architects of, of our time and, and really already is. Um, and he really is a fine artist at heart. And we've always stayed together, and every single year that goes by, I, I'm more and more and more grateful for him because because of his aesthetic and because of his design and because of the fact that we partnered on this, 
he shifts my entire family's creative experience on a moment-to-moment basis. And you really, when you live in a home that's designed architecturally, you you start to understand that. I didn't even understand it when we finished it. I understand it more today, you know, 13 years later than I did when I moved in because he's he has shifted everything. Like the kids, really everybody who comes here, And when you think of that partnership with an architect, I think it's really one of the most sacred alliances. Um, And if you have an opportunity to build a home, I I would say hire an amazing architect. Mm -hmm. Spend the money and hire an amazing architect. Make that a priority. Because every time you turn your head and you look out a window, your, your aesthetic is shaped. Your experience is shaped. This so. room we're sitting in recording in right, right, right now is an example of it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's like the loft, you know, how it drops off, the, you know, the loft kind of feeling and all the windows. And, you know, he and I, when we, when we were breaking ground, we had a ladder and we, you know, situated it on the land and climbed up. And we're like, okay, out of this room, you'll see this mountain and it'll be exactly this way. So there was a lot of, of planning and a lot of situating and the whole... The whole concept was to bring nature into every single room. And he just, he's, it's a very simple house, but it's a very, very, very beautiful house. And um, it's been the greatest blessing to me and my family and many, many other people who come here and shoot and use the space for creative things. So anyway, some breathtaking views for sure. Yeah, it's so cool. He's a, he's amazing. So yeah, Lorcan O'Herlihy. If you want to see um, some more things that uh, that he does, and I think it's a L O H A Architects. So check that out. So anyway, um, again, I'm so uh, just so blessed and honored to feature Shimon this week. Um, He's going to uh, get with me. He did not want to be interviewed. He has a very, very strong Indian accent. He was like, no, I'll tell you some things, and then you can tell them. <laughs> so, But I know that he'll be back. Um, I am now about a, a year and three months into my sitar instruction with him, and I played a piece for Tyler last night. He was very impressed, so I'll take that. Um, uh, so Shimon will be back. We're we're gonna do some stuff together, and we're we're gonna play in a band together as well. So, so that'll be coming down down in the coming weeks. Um, so I just want to take a moment and thank everybody who's downloaded the episode so far. Thanks so much um, uh, for donating to the show and for sending me your emails and your questions. Um, I am honored to share and serve in this way, and. I'm really excited what we're going to explore this year. So if you have questions or you have topics that you'd like me to address, please do send me an email to srimatimusic at gmail. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I music at gmail. And if you want to go deeper, check out my tools of transformation at srimati.com. I have a rich roll in my cookbook, The Plant Power Way. It's an incredible cookbook, really, really amazing recipes, a wonderful lifestyle guide. We're very, very proud of that work. Um, Also, check out my music, um, also at srimati.com. I have two albums, Mother of Mine and Jai Home. Brad was the engineer and co-producer on those albums, and those are the albums I created with my two sons, Tyler and Trapper. 
and then finally, but maybe even most importantly, uh, if you're vibing on what I'm sharing with you, please get my meditation program. It's called Jai Release. Um, if you go to srimati.com and click on it, it will take you to the link on Rich's site. Um, it's a 30 minute guided meditation. If you want to shift your experience and you want to tap in to your true authentic expression, uh, it's specifically designed to do this. So it is amazing for uh, creativity, for healing, for focus, for clarity, and for connection to your soul mission. And remember, I'm not connecting you to my mission. I'm connect helping you to connect to your mission. So it's designed for that. Um, it's a four-step process. It's 30 minutes, that's all. And if you do it once a day for 40 days, something really beautiful may just arise in your life. So uh, that's it for this week's episode. Um, I'll have a healing technique to go along with. And uh, until next week, um, have an amazing week and party down. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, be sweet to yourself and, uh, and understand and know that with God, all things are possible. And I didn't just say some things. I said all things. All right. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks to everybody who's donating to support the show. We really greatly, greatly appreciate it. And I just realized something came to mind is that I'm not really telling you guys where to donate. <laughs> so, so I've been making these big pleas, but I haven't really told you how to do it. So if you go to my site, srimati.com, and you scroll down, you'll see, go to the podcast page. So srimati.com, S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. And then on the podcast page, it'll, it has like a little tab. When you scroll down, it'll say, don't, donate to support the show. So that's how you would do it. And then the other thing you can do is on iTunes, when you subscribe, if you look on the left hand side underneath the show icon, it'll say website. And for some reason, they put the wrong link. But if you click website, it takes you right to PayPal to contribute. So that's that. And then also, um, I got an inquiry from Erica. Erica, thanks so much for your email. And she wants to know how to make a monthly donation. Thank you so much. That's so beautiful of you. And I so, so appreciate it. She also says that she purchased my Jai Release meditation and she's been using it daily. And it's been transformational for her meditation practice. So that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So I'll tell you what I'm working on. Um, I'm working on uh, this uh, uh, like platform where you can be like a patron of the show. So hold on, because um, I just need to see what this is. You're going to have to cut this out, Brad, because I'm... Mm -hmm. um, let me see. It's called like Patreon. That's what it's called. It's called Patreon, um, and I'm going to set up a, a profile on that, and then you can donate every single month. It can be like a, uh, a recurring donation. So there's a, a whole like platform that's called Patreon, and you can become a patron, I guess. I guess I should probably pronounce it Patreon. Um, so you can become a, uh, a supporter for the show, and I so appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to share that with you guys. So thanks so much. Namaste.
If you're receiving some healing and you enjoyed the show, please do donate. And check out my tools of transformation at srimati.com. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I dot com. You can also find me at Srimati on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that's S-R-I-M-A-T-I. For more information about Schumann Laha and where to hear more of his music or book him for performances or lessons, please go to schumannlaha.com. That's S-U-M-A-N-L-A-H-A dot com. Again, S-U-M-A-N-L-A-H-A dot com. Please check out episode 17 on Divine Throughline, where I feature the entire eight-minute raga by Schumann Laha as the sound transmission healing technique this week. I hope you enjoy it. We seal this session into the lightness and wholeness of God, and so it is. Thank you.